Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What is up, everyone? And welcome to July's Monthly Reflection. Ah, This one was a big one, as they all tend to be. Uh, But the central theme that came through for July was self-love. And I talk a lot about self-love on the show, but... For some reason, my experiences in July really helped the idea of self-love click into an embodied understanding of what it means to love myself, discovering the art and the dance of feeling like you are enough, which is an aspect of self-love, and stepping into the opportunity of potential of I can be better. And really finding yourself in that dance. And I had a lot of beautiful experiences, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of incredibly inspiring reminders that led to this episode being filled with practical tips, vulnerable personal reflections, and real life examples of what it actually looks like to self-love. You know, one of the things I've realized over the years is that we don't really have a lot of models in the world of self-love. We have a lot of models of what it means to love others. We have a lot of models of self-sacrifice. We have a lot of models of, you know, putting our needs aside for other, which is why self-love is so hard. Like it takes a little bit of deconditioning and reprogramming to really come into connection with what it actually means to love yourself and to act in alignment with true self-care. And I I hope this conversation is helpful. I I hope it's uh, an inspiring example of, I just hope it's an inspiring example for you to discover your own definition of self-love and how it shows up for you. So enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps, All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it falls straight into your inbox. Tag us, the show, myself on social media if anything that I said or Georgina said on the show resonated. Leave us a review. It goes a really long way in people learning about the show as well as me feeling all warm and mushy on the inside hearing about how much the show is impacting you or any feedback you want to give me about the show. It goes a really long way. And that's it, guys. I love you guys. Enjoy. I hope you guys are, are, are leaning into these conversations as reminders for yourself on your journey. And without further ado, here is this month's reflection episode alongside my dear friend, Georgina. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. 
What is up, everyone? And welcome to July's monthly reflection episode with myself and my dear friend Georgina. How are you doing today, my dear? I'm great. Thank you. I'm very excited about diving into all the discoveries from this month. How are you? Let me just start by saying that, you know, try to be as vulnerable and honest and open as I can in these conversations. And um, I think this last month, I, I really opened up to experiencing a new level of vulnerability and intimacy with myself, like really being shown that I actually really needed help learning what self-love was and really actually like realizing I, I, I don't do self-love very well <laughs> or that's I guess just part of the idea. Like I do self-love, like mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's the practical things of the doings and then there's like the more intangible aspects of just being and, um, and yeah, and I just, you know, last month where I ended, you know, Gina and I were having a lot of really important conversations about marriage and our future together. And in those conversations, I realized how codependent I had gotten in our relationship, how, how I'd outsourced so much of my self care and self love to her. And the way our relationship was evolving as a result of that and the hard conversations that she was exploring with herself as a result of that. And, you know, it was, um, it was really eye opening for me. And, and it led me to really start asking myself those questions of if I loved myself, how would I be showing up? If I loved myself, what would I be? accepting from myself and of others like what does it even mean like to be enough and to be better like i think those are all explorations and i just had a lot of really important examples of self-love throughout the month i had a lot of opportunities to practice being honest with myself while being compassionate with myself a lot of opportunities to share my truth while giving the space for Gina to share hers. I had a lot of opportunities to connect deeply with my knowing and to see myself in ways I don't think I've ever seen myself. I had a lot of opportunities to be reminded of how amazing I am by others who see me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's what it came back down to this month was just a really, really beautiful, expansive opportunity to remember what self-love actually means and to connect deeply with that idea that everything we do in life is actually an opportunity for us to love ourselves. And loving ourselves is more than the massages and the self-care. Self-love is has got depth and layers to it because it's a lifelong journey. It's the journey of the soul. The journey of the soul is, I think I, I used to have this, or I still do have this idea that, you know, our souls are not here to achieve. They're here to expand. And I think it's because love is constantly expanding. Mm-hmm. 
truth and love consciousness is that's all it is. Like we're all love and it's expanding and anything that isn't self-love life presents an opportunity for us to, it presents challenges in the form of business failures or in the form of breakups or in the form of hard conversations or in the form of illness so that we can learn to love ourselves. So that's where I'm sitting right now. That's what I'm sitting with right now. And I'm very grateful for Gina. I'm f- so grateful for my parents and my family. I'm so grateful for all of the challenges in my life and all of the beautiful creations that are unfolding as a result of me learning to access depth in my heart. I'm appreciating, I'm really appreciating uh, the journey more than I ever have, I think. What an opening to the show. So <laughs> the theme is quite clear, this notion of diving deep into self-care and self-love and already shared a lot in that opening piece. And I'd love to kind of take us back to that moment you were talking about in your relationship when you realized you've been outsourcing some of the self-care and self-love. Can you talk us through what did that look like? How did you yeah, tell us what did that look like? Well, I think, you know, Andy Drish, who's one of my mentors and it's like a big brother to me. Yeah, I had him on the show almost a year ago. We talked about like, how do you create a relationship that thrives over lifetimes? Like a relationship that gets better as you get older, not something that starts hot and then starts to fizzle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he, he talked about the stages of evolution in relationship where you start at the honeymoon phase where yeah. there's like a lot of really hot attraction and like infatuation and, and it's very sizzly. And then you get to the next phase, which is like codependence where you're almost like there's a triggery phase because we're feeling like it's like there's emptiness in ourselves that we haven't learned how to fill on our own. So then we seek it from our partners. We look for it outside of us. We are grasping instead of doing the work, the inner work to learn how to cultivate those feelings of enoughness, those feelings of wholeness and nourishment within ourselves. And then from there, from codependence, you go to sovereignty, which is like, okay, now you're like exploring what it actually means to be fully embodied in yourself. And that means kind of you're both exploring yourself. That's the third phase. And then the fourth phase is interdependence, where as two whole sovereign beings, you come back whole, choosing each other, not because you need each other to fill anything, but because you're choosing each other. And I think for where we were at that stage at the beginning of the month, um, was kind of transitioning from that codependent stage that's sovereign and having the hard conversations there around like what she desires in herself, what she desires in relationship, what I desire in myself, why I haven't been able to access that. And, and I think that was a big piece. And, and so like when I say outsourcing my responsibility, the responsibility we all have to actually cultivate self-love. It is not anyone else's job to help you feel loved. It is your job to create that within yourself. And it is your work to understand what that means. 
and it is your, and I think in my life, I have put a lot of responsibility on others. And I realized that the last two months, I think last month was about getting rid of the victim story, which I think was a big aspect of this opening now happening, right? Like that had a very like kind of harsh nature to getting rid of the victim. This is like, okay, like on the other side of that, it's having the softness and the compassion for even being in my victim state and being able to integrate all of the lessons and come into wholeness and be honest with myself and say, okay, like, you know, how have I, like Gina's just one of the most powerful mirrors I have. She is the most powerful mirror I have. She sees me every day. She's an intuitive, beautiful, sensitive being that can feel Mm-hmm. when I am not fully nourishing myself, when I'm not taking leadership to fully own me. And that was a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow when you start to take full ownership of the things in your life. We talked about this last month, right? It's not easy to take ownership of like, oh, the things that I realize in my life I that are not perfect are actually my doing. I'm not loving myself. I'm not showing up fully as love. Therefore, others can't actually love me the way I want to be loved. Like there's a gaping hole in me that has to be filled. What does that look like? And so I think that was a big part for me was realizing that I actually didn't feel good being in my body, which is why I wasn't actually pushing my workouts hard. Like I used to play a lot of sports and a lot of really push myself. And every time I'd go on the tennis court before, like I would get so angry and all my shit from like middle school, elementary school, high school that I was like, that was unresolved would come up and I didn't want to be with it. And so I wouldn't. And so like me taking ownership of that and just being like, no, like, okay, like I want to be with me. Like, and push my body and, and learn to love my body and be in it because that's something that matters to me. And in relationship to Gina, that's a high value, staying fit, staying healthy, pushing your body. Like, so it was me like sitting with myself and be like, okay, like if I had to push my body, like let's do it. So first half of the month was like, let's fucking go back in the gym, doing the yoga classes, doing the hard hikes, like getting in it. And the more I got into my body, the more shit came up. And that was allowing it all to come up and moving the energy because of the tools I have learned over the last several years of how to regulate my nervous system, which is another form of self-love. When my shit comes up, how do I move it? How do I be with all that uncomfortable feelings? How do I learn to love little Raj? Like what feels good in my body about pushing myself? I just started going to Krav Maga, which is a form of Israeli martial arts which is very physical, getting back into that, like exploring what does it feel like to be in my body and how can I find pleasure in the way my body feels expanding? Like instead of it being for aesthetics or needing to look ripped or be hot or whatever, which is why I used to work out to be completely frank. It was so I could look sexy for the opposite sex, like full disclosure, like there was no like, but now it's like, there's vitality, there's energy, there's nourishment. I want to live a long time and have a body that can move as I get older. That's self-love. Like, so I think those are the pieces that I think coming back to it's, that's an example, if you would, of 
through my journey. And, and I had a lot of, you know, I've, I feel like I've had a lot of, I'm very perceptive and I choose to look at life as a mirror, right? So when life gives me feedback, I sit back and I ask the question, what is this here to teach me? As a result, I have a lot of mirrors and a lot of examples and a lot of mentors and a lot of inspirations I can draw from because now I've realized the common thread between all of that is how do I love myself more? Why is this thing showing up for me to love myself more? How is this thing actually showing up for me to love myself more? That's the question that I keep asking. What does it mean? This business challenge. Okay, it's showing up. For me to get rid of my victim story, because that's what self-love means. This thing with Gina, this conversation, hard conversation shows up. Okay. Why is it showing up for me to discover embodiment and nourishment? Great. Like this trigger with my family or this, this person, like I, I got to meet one of the most inspiring examples of self-love, a man named Jimmy Rouse. Dr. Jimmy Rouse at a conference this past week, he's 60. And the way that he showed up at 60 with so much energy, vitality, jumping off of chairs, doing lunges, like talking about the multiple avocados he eats every day, like talk about the way he shows up for himself and claims how much he loves himself every morning before he starts and even looks at his wife, who he adores, was like an example. And what I saw in him, I was like, oh my God, that's how you self-love because he showed up for me to realize how I can love myself better because I needed an example. And so I think, I know that's not where we started this question, but I think what I keep coming back to is outsourcing my self-love was not taking responsibility for filling up my own cup and feeling whole with or without my partner. Mm-hmm with or without money in my bank account, with or without anything external. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that piece at the end. And so there's a there's a couple of pieces I want to pick up on. So I love the fact that you have this meaning-making ability to be able to say, oh, what is this experience showing me or trying to reveal to me so I can become more loving of myself? I think that's a really powerful technique, which I'm so glad you brought that into this conversation. And I'd like to go back to this piece about outsourcing. And I'm feeling that there's a difference between in partnership where you, know, you genuinely need support and where the codependency makes you needy. And so can you talk a little bit about that in the sense of, of course, a partner is going to support you if you're feeling low or, you know, you're having a, a challenging time, but that feels like that's different to what you're saying. I feel that what you're saying here is you were becoming that codependency that was being felt in the relationship. And that's something that we've got to clean up ourselves. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that difference? Yeah. And I think there's, you know, that's a moment to moment check-in over time, mm-hmm. right? Like in the moment, if there's neediness, okay, there's neediness. If that neediness sticks over time, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. There isn't like a, a formula for this in any way. I think that's a piece that each person, each relationship has to come to, right? Like all you can really know is, you know, this is the direction I want to go in my life, in my relationship, right? What's happening right now? Can I hold space for it? Like there are times where, and I think this is like where there's a balance of, you know, asking for support, which is taking responsibility, mm-hmm. 
Again, that's taking responsibility. I need support, babe. Yeah. I'm really struggling with this. It's an I. It's not a, can you help me with, there's a difference in, in the energetics of asking for support. And on the other end, there's also a beauty in allowing yourself to be seen messy, mm-hmm. which is also self-love. So like if you're needy and expressing it authentically, that's a form of self-love for yourself. And I think that's where you have to check in with you. Like I, I really feel it's important. I think the big piece that keeps coming back to is like checking in with yourself, honoring your own truth. Truth is the most loving thing. There's stories attached to being with what is that's fear. If I honor myself, what will actually happen? Will this person leave my life? Will I fuck up a good thing? Like it's already a nine. Why am I trying to get to a a 10? The hardest no is the one closest to a full fuck yes. I saw that quote from Benjamin Becker. Uh, I think he was on a podcast somewhere and I really loved it. Cause you know, that's, that's, it's the hardest. So I, th- I think that's the piece I, I keep coming back to. It's at least for me, it's, you know, connecting deeply with truth, allowing all the fears to surface. And from there, taking responsibility and the balance of loving myself as I am, remembering that I am whole as I am, remembering that I'm already a king, remembering that I'm already this, this divine being. And being reminded by others, by life, that I can be better. And um, so I think to come back to that question, what's present for me is really connecting with your truth and being with it. And it's not, you know, early on in my relationship, I used to not feel comfortable being with my truths. I would just blurt out whatever the fuck I was feeling in the moment. I think there's a lesson in that didn't always lead to great conversations because I would just blurt out something that I was feeling without being with it, taking responsibility for it, owning it. And so I think there's wisdom in being with it yourself and building intimacy with yourself as you begin to have the conversations with others about what you need and how needs aren't being met. And like feeling all those feelings yourself. Like, I think that's a really important part of this process, I think, which is, I think the big lesson, it's taking responsibility for your own emotional state. Because you are the only one who actually knows the internal cocktails and the voices that are up here. And like the end of the day, like I, you know, I can ask Gina to say something to me. But what I'm really asking for is for me to say and see, I'm, I'm actually wanting to hear those things from myself. I'm actually craving to be seen fully by myself. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole journey in itself, right? And it, it sounds so beautiful that in your relationship, because you talked about having and choosing to be in a conscious relationship and how those expectations and how the standards you set, how that then determines how you need to show up in that. Because if you choose to be in a 10 relationship, that requires a different level of showing up than say, oh, I'm happy with like a five or a six. You, you know, there's, you can let things slip if that's where you want, if that's where you're happy being. So, you know, 10, that's, that's really raising the bar, isn't it? And who you then need to be to be able to fit in that, that level, that's definitely going to be a growth experience. I can see how that's taking you to the edge and how that's really is causing you to look at 
these deep things and to have these challenging conversations, which I imagine a lot of couples don't get the opportunity to do because they don't go for a 10. Well, and I think this, what's important is to have examples to know that a 10 is possible. Like I feel really lucky to have so many examples. I'm seeking examples of 10s in my life, people who are in full fuck yes relationships. Yeah. And, that, and I see it. And then even knowing that that's a possibility was not like, I, I remembered when I got out of my last relationship, you know, three, four years ago, the biggest catalyst for me that inspired me with the courage to leave was seeing examples of other nourishing relationships. I don't know if they were tens. I don't know if they were heck yeses, like full heck yeses. You know, I don't know. But what I saw was, oh my God, that guy, the way he's looking at his girl is everything. I want that. I want to be with somebody that I'm just like, I just want to look at with this ferocity of love. I still remember it. Like it was, it's funny. It was Gina's sister's husband or fiance, Jonathan. I've said this story uh, to him a lot, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember the first, this was like after I'd gotten out of my, me and my ex were taking a break and we were, I was at his house and I just saw the way that he was looking at Christy and I was like, holy shit, like that's what I want. And I didn't stop until I found it in Gina. And I look at her like that all the time. She's, she literally gets uncomfortable with how I look at her because, but now we're, I'm, it's like, there's a new level, right? Yeah. Like I met Jimmy Rouse, like Jimmy Rouse has been in a 30 year relationship with his wife and just the way that he describes their relationship just brought me to tears. Well, you're right as well, because if you look in our society and our culture, the quality of relationships we see in the media and movies and et cetera, they're not, I can't imagine there's many tens. I can't think of many on-screen relationships where there's like a 10 to be aspiring to. I think most relationship trainings out there are actually not good. They're all focused on getting people from threes to sevens or eights not from eights to tens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's hard to find because I I think this is why it's like, there's so much trial and error. Right. And this is why it's so important. If this is the journey you choose to go down, you have to connect to truth Mm -hmm. because truth is the most powerful teacher. It's the actual pen that you use to write the love story. Mm -hmm. Like you're actually writing a story of love, self love because it's truth, self truth expressed in relationship with another. And that co-expression is what creates the love story that then can be an example for others. But it is that. And I think that's, you know, Jimmy, he, I remember the most powerful, um, I was in tears after this, but, you know, although he came into the talk talking about how to create an intimate relationship that's thriving, 90% of the conversation was about self-love. And I remembered he had us all do a, a meditation where he clo- we asked us to close our eyes and then hold your heart and imagine yourself being seen right now by the first person who saw you come into this world, like without with those eyes. And when he said that, all I could think about was my grandma who told me before she passed, um, not when she passed, but well before, but 
the happiest moment of her life was seeing me come out of my mom. I was the only grandchild she saw come out in, in the delivery room. And she said it. She's like, she didn't know what love was, what joy was until she saw that. And when I connected to that feeling, I broke down into tears. Like I was a, a sobbing mess because I don't know if I'd ever connected or seen myself the way that. And then after that, he, after that, he said, all right, replace the face looking at you with your face. And I want you to look at yourself with that level of tenacity. Can you see yourself with that level of love for not having done a damn thing, which just be born? Um, that's an amazing story. And I think the way you just ended it there in the sense of, can you just love yourself for who you are rather than what you've done? Our culture really does value and prioritize the doing aspect, like the results, the tangible success, the tangible outcomes. And yeah, we can feel like we're not enough when we're not kind of hitting those marks. But you're right being able to take it back to it's enough to just be you your parent I love my three children I don't need them to do anything I just love them because because I love them <laughs> you speaking about you know that experience of your grandmother yeah I can I feel that because I remember the first time I held my first daughter just that experience of holding this new life in my arms is just you know it's like 15 and a half years ago now, but I can feel it in this moment, how strong that was. It was amazing. And that's the thing, like, I mean, imagine you being able to remind your daughter to see herself the way you saw her. Imagine that experience right there. Imagine that message. Cause that's, I think what the message is like, that's been the message. It's how deeply can I see honor and love myself? And how that actually shifts the nature of my relationships. That is the path of growth. Like at the end of the day, growth, having a growth mindset is not just about pushing. It's also about being, right? Like getting out of your comfort zone. That is one way to love yourself. If you have been living a life of stagnance, stagnant energy, right? Like that is the first actual expression of self-love, which is getting out of your comfort zone. It's like, I haven't been really, you know, like that's, that's it. Like that to me is like the greatest act. So then, okay. Then you go to the other side. Sorry. And I'm pushing myself. Can I just see myself as I am and honor myself as I am? That's the next edge. And then you just keep going on this pendulum. The pendulum is constant and, and it is a journey. And, and I, at least in my view of this whole thing, I just, I think the common thread, truly the common thread of our soul's journeys is to love ourselves and the soul will continue creating opportunities for us to either step up or step in. And that to me feels like such a universal truth from the experiences I've had, from the experiences that I've seen in others, from the now I feel like I've got the lived experience as well as the evidence from just witnessing others on their journey. That's what it keeps coming back to. That seems to be the loudest message that comes through, which is, can I allow? Can I be with what is? Can I ask for support? 
Like all of these versions of self-love at the end of the day, they're flavor, different flavors of the same ice cream, which is self-love. And I agree with you. I think there's definitely something in this, this idea about self-love being the journey we're all on. And I sometimes I think, imagine if there was a, a self-love switch and then when you pressed it, you were just consumed with complete infinite self-love. Like imagine if everyone pressed that button at the same time, imagine what shift that would happen on the planet. Because I think like culturally, actually there's um there's revenues being made from people not feeling self-love because a lot of the industry a lot of industry out there i think as a woman for example the makeup industry fashion industry dye industry these you know these big industries i think they would function differently if they looked in the mirror and actually liked what they saw and didn't need to feel the need to change anything the world benefits on fear not love Fear is easy to control. Love cannot be tamed, which is why it is scary to structures that are created by the mind. Our society is a structure that is created by the mind, and the mind hates freedom. It hates. It truly fears that uncertainty of unpredictability, of uncertainty. We as a society are falling prey to that. And so, yes, it is hard. This is why I'm not, you know, we are being programmed. We are programmed from birth to be afraid. And the spiritual journey of sovereignty, of expansion, of liberation, true, true liberation is the journey of self-love. It's having the courage to face our fears and listen to our truth, connect to our truth, honor ourselves be seen, allow yourself to be heard and messy. This is the journey and this is the path. And I I truly believe that like, whether you are consciously pursuing this or not, like many will die in their graves without really ever taking this opportunity to go inward and Well, look at it like, you know, I think they said like, you know, people die the most, uh, the richest part. It's like the richest grave, like, uh, the place with the richest ideas is the graveyard or something like that. Cause most people die with their dreams. If you let's unpack that one layer deeper, what are your dreams? Your dreams are that, that expression of it's the path of self-love. Like if I loved myself and I wasn't afraid, what would I do? If I wasn't afraid, what would I be doing? Who would I be talking to? What would I say? How would I love? I think that idea, even that one idea, the graveyard's the richest place is actually an expression of self-love. Yeah, and you're right. It's the powerful notion and it is that inner work as well because you know, other people can tell you till they're blue in the face that they love you. But if you don't believe that yourself, then you can't receive it. You can't hear it. It just falls off you. And so I love your definition about this spiral, this almost infinity loop between I am enough and I, I can be better. So can you talk a little bit about, I'm, I'm curious to know about the, I can be better piece. And I asked that question because I imagine if you've got a negative relationship with this notion of, oh, I need to be better. I'm not enough until I'm better. That side of the spiral could probably be quite debilitating and limiting. 
So talk to me about the relationship you would need to have with that aspect of self-love in order for it to be a force for good rather than a force for destruction. If you're changing yourself for someone else, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Even if you love them and want to stay with them? If you take their feedback mm-hmm. and connect to your truth, mm-hmm. is what they're saying in alignment with the vision that I have for my life, for what I define as self-love, for how I want to see myself, for how I want to feel. And if you lean into it from that standpoint, right? Yeah. Doing things that are uncomfortable is self-love. I think the desire to be better, even if it is for another, as long as it's connected to from that space of ownership, of self Self. At the end of the day, it's self. It's claiming yourself. Because that's what these invitations are. Invitations in from others, from life, is an invitation to claim deeper levels of love within yourself. And it, it is a claiming. Mm-hmm. That is the word that kept coming up for me this month. I crave to claim and I crave to be claimed. Mm. Like at the end of the day, like that, that was very clear for me in... And a knowing, I mean, a deep, deep, deep knowing and that that is what I want for my life. And I have the, and, uh, so claiming, and there's, there's a confidence to claiming, right? There's confidence, there's conviction in claiming. Mm. And I think that's what, you know, the, I can be better can be. There's an energetic difference between, again, I can be better because someone else, because I'm afraid of losing someone else towards. I can be better because I just choose to feel better. I want more for my life. There's an intrinsic desire that can be extrinsically inspired. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm saying. Like, I think you need mirrors in your life. Like, I'm not saying you can just go into the mountains and experience all the enlightenment. I don't think that's feasible if you want to live a multi-textured, colorful life full of, of expansive experiences that are very different in color and nature and sound and taste. Like they're like, you cannot prepare for it all. Mm -hmm. And if that is the path of life, if that is what we are all living in, we're all living in lives that have different things and coming in. That's a great distinction. That notion that the, that desire to be more can be a mirror, which is an invitation, which your soul required. Mm, There you go. Oh, okay. I'm I'm doing this for the wrong reasons and it's never going to give you what you want because it's not coming from the right place. So on that similar kind of thread, what if someone is, they know they've got maybe people pleasing tendencies or they're very self-critical or um, they have a lot of self-doubt. How do they navigate that? I can be better and Mm. spiral without, again, without it being a destructive experience. That's a beautiful question. Let me feel that for a second. So I think it's important, and this is where it comes back down to doing the inner work. And what that means is when you have a trigger or let's say somebody says something to you that then wakes up this feeling of inadequacy or this need to fawn and people please, right? Those are both responses to a situation. Mm What's important to do is to be a witness to the experience instead of losing yourself to the experience. Wow. I- right. 
And there's a difference because like, I think the default mode is to think that, oh my God, I am this loop of insecurity. I am this loop. Yeah. Instead of almost being curious to the loop that's happening, be like, oh, this person said this thing and it's creating this loop. Oh, what's that about? Let me unpack that. There's a space you're creating, and this is a skill set you can learn as you continue to go inward and as you continue developing yourself. Right. And like, and, and, and so this is, this is, I think the practice of, of being the witness as opposed to the victim that is actually caught. The victim's caught and it's happening to them and they're stuck and they're just there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the other side, which is the perpetrator. So there's the victim and the perpetrator, which is like the perpetrator is like, I'm creating this reality. I'm doing this thing. And then the victim's like, this thing's happening to me. Both are cool. But being the witness is what I think creates the spaciousness to then explore what is actually causing this response. Because your response is not created by someone else. Nobody's making you feel anything. You are having an emotional reaction to something that's being said. Mm-hmm. Very different. And I think it's important to take responsibility. This is why taking responsibility for your emotions is the first step. It's personal leadership. Right. I've talked a lot about this on the show about like taking personal leadership, but I think that's, that's at least how I would teach or invite growth as opposed to the spiral downward of like, I'm not enough. God, this could be worse. And don't get me wrong. I go down those all the time. (laughs) I'm sure we all do. Last month I went through a powerful experience of like learning to quickly shift my state. This month I had plenty of experiences where I was able to do that really well and plenty of experiences where I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of self-love is remembering that you're trying and doing your best. So you say the wrong thing, you you screw something up, you make a mistake, you fail. They're all, that's a part of being human and growing and learning. And all of that's also happening so that you can love yourself deeper. Okay. Brilliant answer. That notion about witness or being pulled into it. Great answer. I love that explanation. So let's look at the other side, this piece about I'm enough. Which, as we've already we've already explored a bit about this, this notion that actually can be difficult to believe you're enough when we use the metric of performance as the thing we're judging ourselves against. So, in terms of that, I am enough. How do we get to that place of knowing again, knowing deep down inside ourselves that I am enough because I am who I am, no other reason. Talk us through that. So, I think uh, what I had written down was. And this is maybe a, a very simplified, but I think powerful principle. I am enough is about remembering. I can be better is about being reminded. Okay. So what are we remembering? So, so you're remembering that you're already love. Like I wrote this poem. Actually, I wrote it down here. I'll read it to you yes, just to give you a good example of, and just so you know, the first half of the month, I kept having to remind myself to go be a king, to like own my kingdom, to show up fully. Like it was like, and that was coming from a little bit of fear of forgetting that I was a king, 
forgetting that I'm already a king. Can I just say one thing on that so this- before you share the poem? I think it's what you just said there just made me think about this notion of uh, humans, we are seasonal beings as well. We, like our lives aren't linear. So you're right. Sometimes you can like know, oh, I am a king, for example. And then we go through these periods of forgetting, but it's not forgetting. It's just things are dying away or shifting away so we can shift into a new space. So then we grow again. And it's a, it's that spiral, that seasonality, not the linearity. So thanks for bringing that up because I think that's such an important point. And uh, I have something to say on that too, because oh. I think it's really important. But the poem, remember, you're already a king. There's nothing to prove to anyone. There's nothing to chase. There's only the vision in your heart and the love you carry for this vessel you were born with. When you live in your heart, the cloudiness of life cannot dim your light. And the cloudiness is what happens under the influence of life. That's what you are saying. We get caught in the work and we get caught in the doings of life. And we don't connect back to the remembering, like in relationship. One of the most powerful anchors that I have to come back to how much I love Gina is coming back to like the first time we made love or the first time I kissed her, the first time I saw her in a beautiful dress, the first trip we took together. Like there's a remembrance that brings me back to like remembering that everything's good. Right now there's things that can be worked on. Don't get me wrong, but right now about being enough, about this being enough, this moment being enough, everything being whole and connecting to that is this notion that if the mind was quiet, everything would be quote like, if you remove the chatter from the mind, which is actually a big part of self-love, like for me, my mind is very active and I realize there's tools that I can use to actually quiet my mind. Like one of the most powerful ones is a float is float therapy, which is sensory deprivation. I mean, it's where you sit in this dark pool of like magnesium, like water, which is like very salty water and you're floating and it's like just, I walk out of there. Like I walk in there with all the thoughts going crazy. I walk out of there with nothing. There's no fear of not being enough. I just, I just am. There's, an, there's the word enoughness doesn't even exist because I just am. I don't have to remember to be a king. I just am. And I think that is a big part of that I am enough piece, which is quieting the mind. The mind is useful when we want to be better. But the mind is not useful in the remembrance that is felt in your heart and soul. The remembrance is a deep knowing that is not to be justified or extrapolated or projected on from things in the past. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm enough because of this thing that I experienced in my past and I'm projecting into the future. And if I just keep doing this, I'll be enough then. It's a mental game that's being played. And that is not the framework of, I believe, to be self-love or that piece, that half of self-love. I think, again, the logic, the goals, the 
the reality, the reflection inside of the, I can be better is a mental model. I think the, I am enough. The remembrance is, is a soul, soul level connection that can be inspired by a variety of tools, one being float therapy. But I, I think there's many tools to help you get into your heart. That was beautiful. I really feel that, that notion that if you can let the mind quiet, you're right. You don't have all the fears and insecurities that then make you doubt the fact that you're enough. And as you were talking about that, I was just thinking that's actually displayed in nature everywhere because everything nature just is. The rose, for example, doesn't question or doesn't hold its bud tight for certain people. It just is. And I always think nature is that brilliant teacher. If you ever want to confirm whether something is true, like is there an example in nature that can support that? And I think you're right that just being and loving the beingness of who we are is is it's so beautiful. So I kind of get into the close of the episode. Now, I normally ask you if there's a thread that flows through this month. So I think we kind of know what that thread is. So do you want to explore that question or should we just jump to how do you stay grounded? Your choice. I am so grateful for you. I actually really just want to reflect back. Like, you know, you're getting, I just, even your declaration of self-love, like you taking time away and like, I'm just really grateful that this was the theme of the conversation. Like that this was where we went today, that this was what was explored and unpacked because I just feel like it's so relevant for where we are in, like, I think everybody is exploring what does it mean to love myself? Do I stay in this thing? Do I walk away? Do I, like, what does it mean to love myself? And I think I'm just one so grateful for you. Like you just... You've been so much fun to watch grow, Georgina. I just really appreciate. I've known you for almost five years it's now. Crazy five years. Yeah. I mean, five years of seeing and like, this is where we are right now. This is the conversation we're having. This is the depth to which we both get to unpack and explore. This is where we ended. You know, like I, I I'm, I'm just so honored and grateful that this is the path that somehow some way we ended up at and took a lot of digging. Like you asked me, you know, the question, a very beautiful question before we started this episode, which is Raj, if you, can you actually just be and realize that you don't really have to strive or do anything more like you are enough. And I feel like that's the ultimate message. If I die tomorrow, can I actually just be with how enough I am? Well, I hope you can, because as you say, after five years, we've been working together for five years and like I, I get a glimpse into your heart every time we, every time we speak and you're one of the good ones. That's for sure. You just have this just amazing, beautiful energy. Your intentions are always so kind and compassionate and caring. I'm just so grateful that. Our paths collided, even though we live on different continents. Like somehow, life brought us together in this beautiful way. So I'm, I'm just so grateful that we, we get to do this this work together. Me too. Thank you. And um, so I think the thread truly is learning all the different ways that I get to love myself. 
and remembering that everything I'm experiencing in life is actually an opportunity for me to either love myself as I am or love myself into my greatest expression as a human being. That's the thread. That's the theme. And that's a good thread. <laughs> that's a great method. I love it. I really love it. It's so powerful. Okay. So last question. How did you stay grounded this month? <sighs> Feeling. I had a lot of really beautiful meditations this month where I just sat and I allowed what I was most afraid of feeling to, to surface and feel then allowing myself to feel that and then the clarity and the beauty and the the catharsis on the other side that that has kept me grounded is 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 allowing myself to to be with the truth and allowing the the illusion of my mind to wither away like like it's like the the truth is such a felt known experience like it has a different ring than the stories that the mind might tell about what you're supposed to do or what you're allowed to have or what you need to be it's there's just a depth and um i think accessing that through meditation this month i made it a consistent practice i think i sat like in meditation for maybe 20 30 minutes a day at the very least sometimes an hour before the day started long enough to allow the uncomfortable stuff to show up. That's how I stayed grounded. Amazing. Well, thank you for another amazing conversation. I think these reflection episodes are just so powerful. Like just getting insight into you, how you process and work through things. I look forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your old friend Georgina and from us stay grounded love yourself and we will chat with you soon thanks for joining us today on this episode of stay grounded I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life for more resources and support please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official stay grounded facebook group a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together my hope is that the positivity content resources and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level that what you hear in our podcast read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention uncover true purpose and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life again thanks so much for joining us stay grounded